I uh, I just wanted to say something today when we were when we were in worship today, and uh, how many of you believe the house of the Lord ought to be a place where there's just joy? There should be a place where we can really experience the presence of the Lord for what God intended this house to be. Amen. You know, I love what David said when he was speaking to his wife Mike. And uh, he was saying to his uh, wife, he said, when she was despising him, he said, with his joy. And he said, you haven't seen anything yet, honey. I will be more undignified than this. And this morning when we were worshiping the Lord over here, I saw my grandkids over here. They were, and mom. But they were they were just down here, and I, I saw the parents, they were kind of getting them back and putting them in order. Bill, could you bring me down? I'm really hot up here. And uh, this is, I want you to know, I brought him up here for a reason. And uh, when I, I saw our grandkids down here, they were just having a great time in front and completely uninhibited. And they were not thinking about what anybody else was thinking and you know, remember the scripture came to me, and I, I believe the Holy Spirit uh, uh, reminded us. He said that because one day, when Jesus was coming, I believe it was through Jericho, and and when he was coming through the city, uh, there were children that began to gather towards Jesus. They were coming towards him, and the disciples began to push them away, push push the children away, says, because they were more concerned about. The, uh, what was happening in Jesus' ministry. They wanted to make sure that things were going well and going right and everything was yeah, put together right. And uh, all of a sudden, Jesus said, some of the children, don't, don't put them away. I, it's in fact, these children, in fact, he says, that except you become as a little child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, one thing I notice about my grandson here, he's a busy guy. Oh, oh. And, and he's busy, and he's got his mind going every which way. And I know you guys are watching. <laughs> and, uh, but, but there's something here the Lord wants us to learn. He wants us to understand. First of all, do you know what he's doing up here? He doesn't give a rip about what you guys are thinking. Who <laughs> knows that? What he's doing, he just he just kind of focused in his little mind. What the, and, you know, he just kind of lets things out. Now, I'm not suggesting that the house of the Lord just become a chaotic place. But, but there's something about the fact that Jesus highlights something that children have that he wants us to recognize. And what, what that is, is that he wants us to make the most. How many of you believe God wants us to make the most? where we're at and what's going on. Amen? And not become so self-conscious that he wants to bless us abundantly. And you know one thing about children, the heart of children, is that they know how to come into a situation and they just expect awesome things to happen. They really do. Children love to be in a situation where they make the most. Now I do know like, even like right now, we have to help train them and help them grow. 
But I, I just, I want you to know that I believe the Lord wants to bring a release and liberty in His house. Amen? Amen. To bring a liberty in our lives. Some of us, I think, have come out of backwards where you have been told that the church is a place where you're to be <laughs> reverent and in order. And I, I do believe that there, there needs to be order in the house in the sense where we're teaching and praying and ministering. But God also wants to bring a sense of liberty in the house yes. where we're not so self-conscious. Because you know that when you become self-conscious, you're no longer God-conscious. Mm -hmm. And when you're all self-conscious about yourself and what you're going through, it really kind of hinders what God wants to do. Because the Lord, how many of you believe God wants to bring us outside of the way we think and where we're at? And He wants to bring heaven into our life and He wants to reveal I mean, he just wants to open your eyes to the fullness of his glory and goodness. Amen? Amen. I mean, he wants you to enjoy him. I honestly believe that the purpose of the house of God here, the purpose of the gathering of saints, is for each one of us to celebrate the power of God's presence in his glory, not only in one another, but in his presence. Amen? I mean, it is to be a memorable experience. You come into the house of the Lord is to be a place where you are taken high, where you are lifted up, where the power of the Holy Spirit so transforms, renews your mind, enlarges your visions, imparts a spirit of faith and hope in you, where you leave here transformed and empowered and rejuvenated, re-energized, because everything that Jesus does and gives comes down to one thing, and that's abundant life. Yes. Everyone say life. life. Jesus said, I come that you might have life and that much more abundantly. And I believe that Christians are to be people that are filled with vision and faith, not just because things are going well, but even in the worst of conditions. Yes. Even when things are the bleakest, God wants to open our eyes to the realm of the invisible. Amen? what he says. Uh, I was reading, we, we had an amazing, powerful time in our men's breakfast yesterday, and one of the things I shared with our men was this, the importance of opening up. How many of you know that we need to open up? God wants to open us up. God wants that, that river to flow out of your bellies this morning. Amen? He wants life to come out of you. But, but first of all, he needs to bring a revelation of what's inside of you. You can never flow out what has not been revealed. It's what's in. So God has to bring a revelation of what he's put inside of you before it'll ever come out of you. So that's why we preach the gospel of the good news. Amen? I want you to turn to someone right now. Just turn to someone and say, something's coming out of you. Amen. Now tell them that what's coming out. Tell them life is coming out of you. Amen. You are emitting life. You are emitting honor. You are not emitting fear. You are not emitting unbelief. You are not isolated. You are not a chronic problem. You are not just some kind of an issue or an accident waiting to happen. You are emitting something that is so powerful, so life-changing, that even Isaiah, in Isaiah 60, uh, said... That we as believers are to arise and shine for our light is coming. He said that even the Gentiles 
are going to come to your light. And it's amazing what he goes on to say in Isaiah, that he says that even the Gentiles are going to come and that we, that the Gentiles will so be captivated by what is upon you that it says that they will even bring the wealth and the riches of the Gentiles will be laid at your feet. In other words, something so captivating about the power of the church and what God's doing in people today is that the Gentiles, the Gen- these are unbelievers. These are what the Bible is referring to as unbelievers and those who do not know him are going to come and recognize such beauty on you. How many of you know he gave us beauty for ashes, the oil of joy, the garment of prayer? There is a beauty upon you. And this morning I call out beauty on you. I call out on you the honor and the power and the majesty and the glory of Jesus on you this morning. Amen. How many of you know that we are in a spiritual warfare? And there's a battle going on and the devil is relentless. There is so much chatter in the minds of believers. There are believers today that have chatter going on in their heads And the problem is in the church is they do not know how to discern the chatter, whether it's of God, whether it's of themselves, whether it's from their friends, what's of the devil. They do not discriminate. They do not discern the chatter. And they do not do what Paul said. Paul says we are to pull down every argument and every vain imagination. We're to pull it down, take it into and the Greek there literally means to incarcerate your thoughts, put them in prison, and throw the key away. It literally means to bring imaginations and every high thought. Everyone say high thought. You see, any high thought is any thought, any imagination, any persuasion, any particular thing, any spirit of fear that has so captivated you, that has paralyzed, locked you down, brought you down, and and has basically paralyzed, polarized you into a place where you feel this is as high as I will go, this is as far as I will go, and no higher. You see, what the Spirit of the Lord is, is the Spirit of Freedom. The Spirit of Freedom is to release God's people. Jesus said it in Isaiah also, or I'm sorry, Luke chapter 4, what he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to preach good tidings, and to open the prison doors of those who are in prison, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year, or the year of Jubilee. All those that were blind, or all those that were bound, all those that were in debt, all of those that were in bondage were to be set free. Jesus represented, he literally embodied the spirit of Jubilee. And he came with the message of a kingdom that was to set his people free. That's you and me today. In other words, you are to be the freest people. You're to be free from the approval of man. You're to be free from your past. You're no longer held hostage to your past. You're free from the fear of tomorrow. You're free from second-guessing your place, your calling, and what God wants to do for you. I, I believe God wants to come, and He wants to begin to birth, and He's stirring our hearts this morning about the power that we have in Christ to begin to declare, proclaim, 
to envision, to reach into the realm of the invisible and pull those things out of the invisible realm of the kingdom of heaven and to call those things that are not as though they are. I really believe that. And I want to just say this morning that those things are actually happening right now. We're seeing healings, we're seeing breakthroughs, we're seeing miracles, whether it's in finances, we're seeing that happen in areas where relationships have been broken. God is a restoring God. But what He looks for, He has to find faith on the earth. The Bible says, He that comes to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. I want you to place your hand on your heart this morning. Amen. I, I want to just pray this morning for a release of faith. I want us to pray for an enlarged heart. Amen. Father, we thank You today that there is such an amazing place and position that You have put us in this morning. I thank You, Lord. I thank You, Lord, that You hear our prayers. Wow. Just to know You hear us. And that, Lord, You are in us. And we live and we move and have Your being. Father, You've made us people of the Spirit. Lord, we are not of this world. Our life does not consist of the things we have and what we don't have. Our life does not consist of the friends that know us or don't know us or the friends we have or don't have. Our life consists of who we are in You. And Lord, You have raised us and You have seated us with You in heavenly places this morning. And we give You the praise. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I want to continue on my series this morning on family power. Everyone say family power. I want you to jump over with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. And uh, as the notes up here are on, I want to just take you for a few minutes this morning and I want to talk to you about cultivating a spirit of honor. Cultivating a spirit of honor. How many of you know God is love? Bob says, God is love, and in Him there is no darkness. You cannot talk about love without bringing the concept of honor in the same sense. Because love and honor go hand in hand. Anything that God loves, He honors. He's a God-honoring God. And here's the, the other thing. How many of you know that God is not threatened by your sin or your weakness? God is not threatened because you have failed. God is not threatened because you do not meet certain expectations. In fact, let me say something to, the, to you. That do you know that when you are weak, His grace is made perfect? Do you understand that in your times of frailty and even awkwardness, even when you do not feel you are capable, that's where He shines the greatest? In fact, the Apostle Paul had this revelation. When he said this of himself, he says, I am the least of all the apostles that were called. And he says, because I persecuted the church. But the grace of God that was dispensed on me was not in vain. Amen. A, a, a man who's been truly healed, a woman or a man who's been truly made whole in Jesus, can say what God has done in my life is not in vain. What God is doing me, it's not in vain. Because what the devil meant for evil, I should have been dead a long time ago. My life should have been a wreck a long time ago. 
but because of His grace. It's not in vain. I am what I am by the grace of God. That is honor. That is when God comes to honor you. Do you know God so desires to honor and manifest His honor to you? My question to you is, are you honorable? Are you able to receive that honor? Are you able to receive what He... Are you ready for your mind to be blown away by how He wants to honor you? Are you ready to come up and begin to live and to begin to think and to begin to walk with the sense of expectancy and live in the realm of honor and promotion that He has already died and paid for. You see, so many of us have been preached a gospel that we must first change our behavior, we must first earn it, work for it, try harder, we must set certain personal goals in our life, and if we meet these certain standards, then maybe God will smile from heaven. And folks, that is what the Bible refers to as legalism. It is you attempting to reach God's approval, favor, His kindness, His compassion on your human strength or your own personal effort. It's amazing, even with the message of grace that's going around the world right now, it's a, it's a, it's a global message, people still stumble. In fact, they're not, they don't only stumble, they're offended by it. I have met people that are offended by the message of grace. Do you know why? Because it's too powerful and it's so good that it's just unthinkable. They can't, they can't wrap their mind around it because the devil has duped them into thinking that you must try harder or maybe because life has kind of dished out some bad things and you've gone through a season in your life where some things haven't worked out the way you wanted it to. And so what happens is you begin to make certain assessments and you begin to make certain deductions and you conclude, well, I must not be doing good enough and I'm not doing well. And because I have not done these things, I'm reaping what I'm sowing and therefore I am just now in this place where I just got to ride it out and I don't even know where my future is. I don't know where my life is. I'm just existing, just kind of moving through life, just kind of swinging it and swinging it and just hoping that somehow things just kind of all work out. That is not the kind of life God intended for you to live. Jesus intended for you to live to know who you are, to know where you're going. He wants you to know what you're going to do. Do you know that that is understanding who you are? Now, in order for us to get there, and I'm talking about cultivating a spirit of honor. Amen. How many of you know that Jesus does not come to honor us because of anything that is in us? He honors the Son because Jesus died. He rose again. He took our place. And He took care of the sin problem. But not only did He take care of the sin problem, the Bible says that because of His rich love and because of His mercy, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4-7, through it says that He now raised us up and made us sit together with Him in heavenly places. Now that's important for you. A heavenly place is a place 
that He has already put you, He's already placed you in that place. That's why Colossians 3.1 says that if you have therefore been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. In other words, it's possible for you to be in a position but not really believe you're there. It's possible for you to to, uh, not believe it or not necessarily embrace it or expect it or realize it even though the Bible declares that you are in a place of honor and a place of victory, a place of dominion and a place of glory and not really accept it. There's a lot of people today, they may know it mentally, but they really don't in faith accept it yet. That's why there's some stories in the Bible. That's why you have this major story in the Bible about Abraham. Abraham, God takes this man, this barren old man and this barren old woman, and they're in the twilight of their years, they're much older, and they're beyond the years of having children, And God gives them a promise when he's 75 and waits till 99 to fulfill it. And through all of those years, God continues to manifest his love, his goodness, his kindness. And throughout those years, Abraham is seeing year by year by year by year by year go by, but yet there's no fulfillment of the promise. Do you know that sometimes the best things take time? And usually, God usually waits some time because of what He's going to do is going to be so amazing. Just because God doesn't answer and come through in the time you want Him to, you need to realize that when God delays, it doesn't mean He hasn't heard, but it does mean He's actually preparing you for something that is so much bigger than you because what He wants you to do and recognize that what He's fitting you for and what He's preparing you for is for you to rule and reign with something and with something in your life that is so much bigger that had he not prepared you for it had you not been prepared for it you would not know how to walk in it and know how to use it properly god is a god who really loves giving good things to his kids he's a good god he loves that But the devil gets involved and because our minds are not renewed and and we begin to tear ourselves down, we use our mouth and the other mouths of other people begin to tear us down. We become a culture of dishonor. We learn to attack ourselves. We tear ourselves down. We tear one another down in families and relationships. There's faults. There's problems. There's there's a lack of fulfillment. Uh, fulfilling certain expectations. And so we, we with the, because of the sin problem in our culture, there's a tendency to move into fear and we begin to uh, uh, hurt one another with our words and we begin to proclaim certain, what I call death sentences over our lives, over our marriage, over our kids. And we, we actually don't even realize that we are speaking a creative word that actually polarizes us. I remember one time this guy came into my office and he said, you know, Pastor Ray, I'm just never going to get a job. And I said, well, what are you doing? Well, there's just no work out there. They're just never going to get a job. I said, the first problem here isn't the the lack of jobs. The problem is, is what's in your head and what's coming out of your mouth. And I remember talking to his wife. Yeah, I'm not going to get a job. 
I'm not educated. My mother said I was going to be stupid. I wouldn't amount to nothing. That's what he remembered the most. My mother said I wouldn't amount to anything because she got in a fit of rage one day and she made this statement. He never forgot it. He grew up as a teenager, came into his adult life. He didn't hold a job because his mother said he was stupid. Do you know what she did? She actually declared a creative word that was he was living out because of a seed that his mother had planted in him. Parents, watch what you say over your kids. You understand that your words have the power to bring life or death. And see, the church is just becoming aware of this. Cultivating a spirit of honor recognizes what God has put in my arsenal. I have the power to create life or create death. Now Jesus, when Jesus came, Jesus didn't just come to bring the gospel of the kingdom so people could be forgiven just to go to heaven. It was a lot more than that. God's not interested in just saving you from hell and getting you to heaven. God's interested in making your life such an amazing example and trophy of His grace so that the world sees and looks at you and says, I've got to have, Lonnie, what you got. Dwight, there's something about your lifestyle that is so amazing that I'm drawn to the faith, to the glory, the goodness of... What, What turns you on? What making you tick. What is drawing me to you? Do you know that your life is to be a magnet? You're attractive. There's beauty on you. You are not just... So much of us, we spend our lives looking in the mirror and we look at all the pimples and the dimples and we look at all the hair that's fallen out and everything that's fallen south. Well, I'm not... And we tear ourselves down. Or maybe because we're not meeting certain expectations and standards, the world says, well, I didn't get a 4.0, I was a 3.5. And we start just little by little comparing ourselves with others. And the Bible says, which is wise and fo- unwise and foolish. Amen. We have to do that. There's only one standard we go by, and that's the standard God has set before us. And when I look into the mirror, there was a day where Ray used to tear Ray down. Ray wasn't walking in the spirit of honor. Let me tell you something. If our families are going to have the spirit of honor, honor starts at the head. Everyone say the head. If there's no honor coming out of the mouth of the head, out of the mouth of those that are in leadership, it will not flow down into the family. You have to be walking in the spirit and the power of honor. There must be something that is self-sustaining. Something that is feeding the life of God and feeding in your spirit. And continually re-energizing and rebuilding and re-impacting your vision about who you are and what you... You! You believers! You beloved! You have the answer to problems in society. You do! You have the wisdom. You have the power to call on heaven. And you have the power to bring down the gates of hell and shut their mouth. You have that power. You have the power when you open your mouth. And when you begin to take the lead. And stop saying, well, I, I, I'm, I'm not a leader. I'm not, a, I'm not really a vocal kind of a guy. Yes, you are. Let's stop saying we can't. Let's stop saying, well, yeah, but pastor, I just don't see those things in my life. I don't, 
I've never been, I've never been an outgoing. I, it's natural. It's normal for me to kind of be a backwards and timid. I'm just kind of a wallflower. I, I'm not the, one of those guys that come out like some salesman. No, God's not asking you to be a salesman anyway. God's asking you to be you. God's asking you to be and have the influence for honor. Do you know that you bring honor to God when you begin to walk in the honor that He has created and He's given you through the power of Calvary? Jesus died and rose again, not just to get you to heaven so you can get out of this world because the devil's just taking this whole world and just taking us to all the hell. God help us! Oh, I'm kind of getting tired of the rapture people. All they want to do is just get out of this world and let's get to heaven where it's all be happy later on. No, God's not interested in rapturing you. He's interested in bringing His kingdom on earth and His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He wants your light to shine. He wants you to bring a word of prosperity. He wants your family to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. Amen? Genesis chapter 1. Just a few scriptures this morning. Genesis chapter 1. Thank you, Lord. Notice what God says. This is, of course, I understand before the fall, but in Genesis 1, this is what God's plan. If we're going to understand and cultivate the spirit of honor, I need to recognize what God's initial plan. Notice what it says, verse 26. Genesis 1.20, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing and a lot of the other creeps that are out there. Amen. Creeping things and that creeps on the earth. And God said to man, God uh, created man in his own image and the image of God. He created male and female. He created them. Then... God blessed. Everyone say blessed. First, God created them in this image, and He gave them over. Everyone say over. God intended for you to have dominion and to have power over things. You are not under it. You, when, a, when a Christian or when a believer says, Pastor, you just don't know what I'm going through. I'm in a situation that I cannot control. You see, you, you don't even realize that you have just bought into the bait of Satan. You are not under the power of anything. Well, yeah, but Pastor, all the circumstances seem to be going against me. I'm not over anything right now. That's where God works when people begin to call on Him. Do you understand that the purpose of any problem? Go into 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I don't want to go there. The purpose of any problem. God loves when His believers are in a problem where it's like David facing a Goliath. God loves it when you're in the lion's den and the lions are about ready to make lunch out of you. God loves that. Some of you have been in a lion's den and you're going to be somebody's lunch. God put you there so that you could shut the mouth of lions. God put you in the midst of a battle where you are the David and there's a Goliath facing you and he's intimidating. He is mocking you. He is saying, you are my lunch, little punk. 
I'm going to take you out and pull you down. God put you there so that you may be re- begin to recognize what is in my hands. God has put something in your hands in its five smooth stones of wisdom. It is, it's the, 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 it's the, the insight and the foresight that God has given you because of the personal battles and things you've walked through. And it's those stones that as you begin to release your faith in the battle, it's going to bring Goliath down. See, God loves Esther's, who's been brought into a situation where the entire nation is going to destroy you and your people. And like Mordecai said to Esther, this little teenage girl, for have you not realized that you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this? And yet we don't recognize our timing. We don't see the place of our timing. I'm in a place right now where all hell's coming against me. Yet God wants to honor His name and honor me if I would only come to realize that I'm in a place for such a time as this. Esther had to make a choice. Instead of saying, Mordecai, you just don't understand, man. I'm just a teenage girl. All of a sudden, they put me in this beauty contest. All of a sudden, this old geezer of a guy likes me. And I don't even know why I'm here and what I'm doing. And all of a sudden, you tell me that God's put me here to have some and make some kind of a difference. Esther challenged. She questioned it. She didn't realize. But do you know that honor does not come without a price? Sometimes, some of us are out, well, I... Man, I'm just kind of waiting for somebody to discover me. Praise God. Hallelujah. Mm. No, honor doesn't come that way. Honor doesn't come because somebody discovers you. No, honor comes. I I love, by the way, I happen to look up what uh, uh, people who have ever won the Congressional Medal of Honor. I actually wrote this definition down. I love it because I think it ties into so much what a believer is. A Congressional Medal of Honor is the highest military honor that a person can receive in the government or even in America. It's the highest U.S. military, it's called a decoration, a military decoration awarded by Congress to a member of the armed forces for gallantry or bravery in combat at the risk of life above and beyond the call of duty. That's what the Congressional Medal of Honor is. Do you know why God has called you and put you in situations where He wants to bring honor to His name? It's because He wants to bring honor to His name, but also God wants to bring honor even to His people. Now, honor is not cheap. There's a price for it. But here we find that in Genesis chapter 1, it starts in the head. It starts with us coming to understand what we were created for, in whom we were created with. Verse 28, it says, And God blessed them. God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Have dominion over the fish, over the birds, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God says, See, I've given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed to you, and it shall be for food. Everyone say food. God is saying here something in the spiritual side of this. God has given you all the provision that you need. He will never leave you lacking. It's really important. It's not just that God has given you a dominion, 
But He's also given you things for food. He wants you to eat. How many of you read the 23rd Psalms? The 23rd Psalms, the shepherd Psalms, where it says that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want... We go down several verses and it says that He prepares a table in the midst of my enemies. God prepares a feast. Do you know that God wants you to feed on the flesh of your enemies? He wants to feed you during battle. And it becomes our food. Here in this passage, God says, and when God created Adam and Eve, He created them in His likeness. Do you know that all of you are created to win? Have you ever noticed that when you lose on any level, you're not happy? How many have ever lost a game, lost a job, and you just, yes, I lost! Oh, I'm so happy I lost! Oh, thank you, thank you. I'm a loser. Oh, I'm so glad I'm a loser. So that's just contrary, because, see, being created in God's image, you were created to move forward. You were created for glory. You were created for victory. Even unbelievers... You were created to live and walk in an environment of honor. And when you are not living in that environment of honor, there's no peace. There's confusion. We begin to either, we can move into excuses, we begin to cast blame on others. Well, I'm not happy because of them. There's many reasons. But understand this, is that the first stage of cultivating a spirit of honor is that I must get connected and line myself up with what God's first initial plan was. Jump with me to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. I was created to be over, to be a partner with God in in the plan. If I'm going to walk in honor, if I'm going to have the honor of God, I need to line my thoughts, my attitude. But by the way, honor, folks, is not just a concept. It's, it's to be a way of life. It's a, there's an attitude involved. Honor is a spirit. It's not just some kind of a concept. It's, it's, not, it's, not even, it's bigger than just winning a medal of honor. Honor is a way of life. It's an attitude. It's a vision. When you possess honor, do you know what? Everyone around you is honored. A man and a woman who walks in the spirit of honor are not threatened by enemies. Because you understand the importance of empowering even your enemies. And do you know when, when you empower your enemies, you disarm them? And when you disarm people who are a threat to you, guess what? They become honored. And then you begin to bring a positive atmosphere. You change the environment because you know how to come into a situation. Jesus knew how to come into a situation and disarm people. And you know how he did it? Honor. We're not threatened. Today in our society, if you throw a stone at me, I'll throw a stone back. If you gouge out my eye, I'll take your eye out. That's our society today. You hit me, I'll hit you back. That's our culture. If somebody attacks and insults me, I'll leave this church, I'll go to another church. If my boss insults me, I'll quit, I'll show him, I'll... See, that's the way the world responds. That's not a way a Christian responds, amen? Jesus said to love your enemies. Now, by the way, 
I've got to tell you something, just to be honest. I'm still in the process of learning this myself. I haven't arrived here. There's times that when Pastor Ray's been attacked, things have been said about me, I don't always take that well. It hurts. But God is still helping me to understand how to walk and to cultivate a spirit of honor. It starts in the home. One thing years ago, when I first got married to my wife, and Carol and I were first married, and we were developing oneness. We were learning to become one spirit, one soul, and one flesh. I realized that being married doesn't make you one. I realized just because you get married, and now you can uh, uh, go to the same house, sleep in this, that doesn't make you one. Oneness only can happen when two people cultivate that oneness first in the spirit. There's a lot of people today, when they come together, they get one in bed. They think that, well, we're, se- we're having sex, we're one in the... Yeah, that's right. If you develop oneness there, but you do not develop a oneness in the spirit, in the soul, guess what? You will have anarchy, you will have confusion, and you will ha- it actually begins to turn into a serious problem. Because you are not just a physical person, you're not just a mental and emotional person, you're a spiritual being first. And until my spirit is united with the person that God wants me to be, you will never have honor or peace. Never. I cannot tell you how many people, young people today, having sex before marriage, and yet they want to have honor. I don't understand why they don't honor me and respect me. I don't understand the lack of honor. It's because you got the cart before the horse. You got in bed before you got in the head and you begin to become one in the spirit. If you do not become one in the spirit, yet you're one in bed, guess what? You are heading for a train wreck. Good preaching, Pastor Ray. I got to say amen to something to myself. It is a train wreck. Anybody who has sex before marriage is asking for pain. Oh, it's pain. Anybody who ever marries and entertains a thought of engaging or putting themselves into a situation, it really really just shows you how you don't even like yourself. Let me tell you, I remember telling this one one young lady one time, I said, and she said, you know, Pastor, I know the guy's not a believer, but I just know that when I get married to him, and I just know that I'm going to be able to convince him and turn him and, t- and change his mind because I'm such a, uh, a girl that can do that. I said, it's not going to happen that way. I said, the reason why an unbeliever will ever convince anybody to have sex outside of marriage, and when they say that I don't need God and I don't need a Bible, is because here's the reason. They want to change the rules. How many here have ever entered into a contract? Can you imagine entering into a contract with somebody and somebody says, I don't want to sign the contract. Why not? I just don't believe in commitment. Why would they say that? Because they want to change the rules if they want to. And guess who gets hurt? You. You meant it. You, well, I thought it would be forever. No. Anybody who's not willing to sign their name and say, I'm committing all the way, what they're really saying is I need a back door because I might change my mind. And when I change my mind, I know it's going to hurt you, but I don't care. 
That's why it's pure stupid to have sex before marriage. That's why we want to go God's way. Amen? I don't know about you guys, but I just, I just see so many, so many tragedies today. God, do you know God's Word just makes sense? It's just so good. I'm so glad that God's Word just... It just you know, it's not about being super spirit. It just makes sense. It's powerful. It's practical. In fact, it's honoring. Let me tell you something. A man or a woman who's not willing to touch you and wait for marriage, do you know what they're saying? I honor you. A man or a woman who truly honors the other spouse puts the needs, the concerns, the interests, and the spiritual well-being above their own selfish desires. They're saying, I'm willing to wait because I honor you. I honor you. Amen? Honor has a price. There's a price to pay. I want to have honor in my marriage. I want to have honor in my marriage. Notice what the Bible says here in in Genesis 18, verse 17. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham? Notice the Lord here speaking about Abraham, his servant. He says, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm going to do? There's no secrets when there's honor in the relationship. Shall I hide from Abraham? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation. Everyone say great and mighty. This is what God does. God always honors His people, even though they're barren, even though there's unbelief and there's fear. God says, Abraham's going to become a great and mighty nation. You know what I believe that's happening even in this church? We are declaring over people they're great and mighty. And you know what? God says this to Abraham. He shall surely become a great and mighty nation. Now keep in mind, he's still barren. His wife and him are both getting old. They've got wrinkles. I mean, things are kind of going south here. And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Everyone say, my family is going to be a blessing to others. Notice how God is honoring Abraham here. I'm not going to hide from Abraham. He's going to be great and mighty. And all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. You know what's so funny about this? Because when you read the entire story of Genesis, it's one of the most dysfunctional families you'd ever read. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Man, there's more conspiracy. There's conspiracy for murder. There's conspiracy. Uh, He takes his own wife when they go, remember, down to Egypt. And he tries to con Pharaoh into believing that uh, she's his half-sister, which he was. But he didn't tell the whole truth. The guy's a coward. He's full of fear. And yet God said, the man's going to be great and mighty. Isn't that amazing? Now, what does that say to me? That when I see people in the body of Christ or even in my family, and they're not necessarily meeting my expectations, I'm going to start calling out, you know what, son? You are great and mighty. And through you, a lot of people are going to be blessed because of you. I'm going to call those things out as though they are. Amen? It starts with the head. Fathers, if you are not calling it out, your sons and your daughters are just looking at you. Not important to dad. Why should it be important to me? You are their hero. Amen. Dads and and moms too. There needs to be unity in the family. There needs to be unity in the home. God here begins to honor Abraham before, right in the midst of these, this story here. 
He says, for I know him, verse 19, in order that he may command his children and his house after him. He commands. He doesn't make suggestions. He's a father who's engaged. Everyone say engaged. Pastor Ray, wow, this is kind of radical teaching. This is not goes in line with our culture today. This is not the American culture. I know it's not. That's why our culture is in trouble. Because when there's no leadership in the home, family goes everywhere. Chaos. I believe the Holy Spirit is raising pastors and leaders and fathers and mothers that are going to know who they are. They're going to know what to do. They're going to know how to empower and honor their children. And they're going to in turn raise champions to bring the kind of revival and change that only society can get. Let me tell you folks, politics and the economy, I don't care what party you're from, will not bring change in healing to this nation. It's only the power of the kingdom, but the kingdom must be engaged by people who take the word of God into themselves. They begin to rise up and they recognize, I'm a leader. I want every one of you to say right now, I'm a leader. Say that again. I'm a leader. Say this with me. I have influence. I can make a difference. Do you know that that's the purpose of the gospel? Well, not just to get you to heaven. Not just to give you a good day because of a bad day. No, God wants your children to be the seeds. And notice, God goes on to here to say here, not only God speaks and declares this over Abraham, but He says this about His descendants. He said this, that they may keep the way of the Lord to do righteous and judgment, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what He has spoken to him. God honors this man. I want you to jump over with me into Psalms 133. Psalms 133. I'm moving quick here. Four things I want to close here with in a few minutes, but on cultivating that spirit of honor. Psalms 133, you know the, you know the passage. <clears throat> Notice what it says, behold how good and pleasant. How many of you like a home that's good and pleasant? How good and pleasant. My marriage is good and it's pleasant. There's peace. For brethren to dwell together in unity. You know what unity comes from? Unity comes when two people or more people honor each other. We learn to honor each other above our own selfish desires. Like I said, when my wife and I was first married, we did not have a lot of unity in our marriage. And the reason was, is we did not have a lot of honor. And the reason why we didn't have a lot of honor, first of all, I say this for myself, I was a married man thinking like a single man, not that I was going out with any women, I was thinking selfishly. But I did not know how to honor my wife because I never had the spirit of honor cultivated in me personally. I didn't realize how much God valued me. I've been raised in a Christian home, but honor was not a way of life. In the home I was raised in, there was a lot of negativity. There was unbelief. There was fear. There was snapping at each other. Shut up. Be quiet. You're dumb. What do we got to do that for? Bad attitudes. Back talk. Rebellion. I was raised in that. When I met my wife, man, I felt like I went to heaven. 
because she had such an attitude. My wife began to say, Ray, why do you talk like that? Why do you think like that? And I'm saying, well, that's what I was raised in. But I didn't realize how broken I was. And I so thank God for the patience and faith that my wife had for me, especially in our first year of marriage. I remember coming to the Lord, I said, God, I was raised in a Christian home, but I didn't realize how broken, because I don't walk in a spirit of honor. I'm only thinking of myself. I'm only concerned about my own happiness. And I remember coming to the Lord, and I remember the Lord beginning to say, Ray, I'm not here to humiliate you, to destroy you. In fact, the Lord, let me tell you how the Lord healed my brokenness. It was through honoring me. It was through my pastor. You know, my pastor told me something that blew me away. I'll never forget to this day. I came to him. We were in a little bit of marriage counseling at the time. And Pastor Iverson looked across his desk and he said this. I'll never forget. He said, Ray, I believe in you. That blew me away. I've never, ever had anyone honor me by saying, I believe in you. And when, I, when he said that, I realized I didn't believe in myself. I, I knew the Bible, went to church. But when the rubber met the road, I really did not have an healthy understanding of how the Father and the Son honored me. By the way, do you know that people only protect what they value? If you do not value yourself, then you will not honor yourself and you will not honor your relationship. You can only protect, because let me tell you, honor requires us to protect what we have. And the only way you can protect your relationship is when you value the relationship. If you don't value the relationship, you won't protect it. Because how many of you know that we live in a pretty wild, wild world, in that world, in the things that are in the world, and if we allow things in our relationship? Let me tell you, parents, if you allow certain video games and you're allowing your kids to bring certain friendships into their life, if you're allowing certain movies to be watched in your home, if you're allowing certain types of uh, uh, lifestyles to exist that are contrary to that which brings glory to God, you will begin to see things break down in the home. It will begin to destroy unity. Because unity requires honor. Unity says that what is best for this house is more important than what I want. I've had to talk to some fathers who really, really want to do certain things. I, I, I've got to do this. This is the way I was raised. This is the way I see it. But yet the way he thinks, the way he was raised, is harming his marriage. And I said to these men, I said, are you willing to confront, take ownership with what you were raised in? Are you willing to make a paradigm shift? That means you may have to let go. How many of you know sometimes our family traditions can be actually contrary to God's Word. Yeah, but my granddad, my dad, and this is the way I was raised. Nah, we always had a filthy mouth, or we always had a male-dominating home, and the, man, the man's the king of the castle, and the women, you know, they're kind of the servants around it. I said, that, that's not the way Jesus honored his wife, his bride. Jesus taught us to honor one another, and Jesus came, and what did Jesus do to honor his bride? He did it the last night of the Passover when he changed his garments and he washed his disciples' feet. The King of kings and the Lord of lords got down on his feet 
on his knees and he washed the filth and the mud and the dirt. You know what what that's saying? That means that you are willing to confront the problems, the weakness, the issues in the life of others. It means that you've become aware of it and you're willing to wash them with love and with fire. It means you don't hold it against them. You don't ever bring it up again. It means that you choose relationship. You choose to empower people through forgiving them and letting them know that you believe in That's why Jesus washed their feet. He wasn't just trying to give them a foot massage. Jesus was trying to say something. That I know what you have walked through. I know what you've done in your life. And I'm still willing to empower you by letting you know. I believe in you. And I empower my love to you. I choose to forgive. I choose to wash. I choose to believe in you. And then he says, go and do likewise. How do we cultivate a spirit of honor? The Bible says that before honor is humility. Everyone say humility. Sometimes if you're going to cultivate honor, it means that maybe you don't win the argument. Maybe you don't have this final word in the fight. Sometimes we have to choose our battles. Cultivating a spirit of honor means sometimes you might say, you're right. I'm wrong. You are right. I need to work on some things. You have the right spirit here. See, that's how we cultivate that spirit of honor. Amen? Cultivating a spirit of honor celebrates each other's strength rather than bringing up their failures and defeats. When you honor people, you celebrate their strengths and their victories. You celebrate their future, not their past. Some people love to, well, I'll tell you, I'll forgive you, but I'll never forget. I'll never forget what you did to me. You know what that shows? You are still broken. Third thing about cultivating a spirit of honor, only people who are made whole and are walking in spiritual and emotional wholeness can cultivate a spirit of honor. If you are a broken person, guess what's going to happen? You're going to become defensive. You're going to see people as a threat. You'll be afraid. Jesus was able to love enemies. Jesus was able, I want you to jump with me. Last passage, Luke chapter 9, Luke, Luke 19, Luke 19. I want you to see something here, powerful passage, Luke 19. <clears throat> well, I didn't get to Psalms 133, that's okay. But let's go to Luke 19 here. Time is really Big subject here, Luke 19. <clears throat> I want you to see verse 1. <clears throat> Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Behold, there was a man by the name of Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. By the way, he was also despised. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was a short man, short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up, saw him, and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down. For today, I'm going to stay at your house. Now, I know that that doesn't really 
ring any bell for us, just go to someone's house, but you need to understand the culture in this time. Jewish people do not go in the house of pagan or Gentiles. It was considered a curse, it was considered wrong, because the Jewish people are obviously very arrogant, very proud people, but they actually believed it was unclean. You would go into the house, and so Jesus said, come down, I want to go to your house today. So Jesus invites himself, and notice what verse 6 says, so he made haste, came down, received him joyfully, and when he saw, and when they, everyone say they, when they saw it, they all complained, saying, he has gone to be the guest with a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, 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 I have I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, notice what he says, by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has not come to seek and to save that which is lost. Can you say man here? Notice what Jesus does. Jesus is ministering to people, but he sees a publican. He sees a tax collector. They usually had a reputation for being thieves and crooks, skimmers. They skimmed the taxes. They knew that the people knew it. They were very wealthy. And yet Jesus honors this man by saying, Zacchaeus, I'm going to go to your house. By the way, do you know that when you begin to live and you cultivate a spirit of honor, you are going to make enemies? Because when you begin to reach out to people that others think you should not reach out to, you're going to be judged for that. Do you know that the spirit of freedom, the spirit of liberty, that the Holy Spirit, what it does is it has the ability to look beyond the faults of people and see the power and the potential that people have. That's what honor does. When you're whole, you don't trip up and get offended because of what people do wrong. But rather, you see the potential. You have the lens of the Holy Spirit that helps you to see the beauty, and you see the glory, and what the Lord wants to do in the lives of people. When Jesus said, Zacharias, Zacchaeus, I want to come to your house. What was Jesus doing? This is what, this is what cultivating a spirit of honor is. It seeks out relationships. It seeks to draw near to people that others reject. You know what the church is supposed to be? We're to be a people that are not inclusive. We're to, we're to reach out to every kind of person. I've asked the Holy Spirit, I've asked the Lord to bring in every kind of person at New Life Fellowship. I believe that there's going to be people that are going to come through the door. I've actually had this already happen. I've actually had people come to me after church in the past, and I said, Pastor, do you know who's sitting in the back over there on the right or left side? I said, no, who is it? Well, they're so-and-so, and they kind of look like they're that kind of people. And I would say, go love them. Amen. Yeah, but they're different. I know. But God said to love one another. But they're strange. They're not my kind. See, that should show you. See, the, the Jews had such arrogance. They, they believed that 
that God had this idea of uh, love for the Jews, that they were the most important people on the face of And they, they didn't understand why God chose them in the first place. You know why God chose Israel in the first place? It says in Deuteronomy 6, because they were the weakest of the few. God said, I didn't choose you because you're the greatest and the strongest and the brightest and the best. I chose you because you were the weakest of all the people of the nation so that I could manifest my glory and honor to people so that all the other nations of the earth, when they saw that what I could do to the Jewish people, that if God can do that to the Jews, if he can bless and change and transform and empower Jewish people through his love, wow, God can do it to us too. But the Jewish people really screwed that up, really twisted it around and didn't get it. And so they become arrogant. So when Jesus decides to befriend, and this is, folks, cultivating a spirit of honor, is choosing to see the best, choosing to proclaim the best, choosing to see and, and, and reach into the life of a person and draw out the best. That's what, a, that's what a spirit of, that's what new life is doing right now. The second thing, I love what Jesus does and what a cultivating spirit of honor does it creates a safe environment. Everyone say safe environment. safe environment. People will never be honored. They will never be transformed until they know the environment is safe for me to be open with my problem. People will never open up until they know that the environment I'm around, if you're having problems in your marriage and yet people feel, oh, I'll tell you if I say anything, if I tell my wife, my spouse, if I tell my parents about what I've done, I know they're going to hammer me. Well, guess what? The environment's not safe. Now, that doesn't mean that at times we may not be a little bit, bit upset. We might even be shocked. That's just humanity. That's, there's a human element about that. And I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't warn and counsel and instruct. But a person who's walking in the spirit of honor creates an environment. I want you to be able to be free to share what's going on in your life. And I want you to know that when you share it, I'm going to believe it. I'm going to stand with you. Now, that doesn't mean that I may not bring some adjustment and correction. Sometimes we need to make some adjustments and correction. Because I love you. How many of you know for whom the Lord loves you also correct? There's balance here. That doesn't mean, okay, you get a free ride, just do anything you want. Because remember, honor involves protecting what I value. For instance, let's just use the building here for a second. I am so glad that none of you today dishonored the building by coming in here with muddy boots on. Now, some of you could if you wanted to. We probably will be looking at your feet as you dragged in a sloss of mud through the... I mean, but most of you have the common sense that when I come to the church, I'm going to clean my shoes before I come into the building. Uh, can, can you imagine if I went to David Bulward's house and... Uh, I say, David, I really like you. He's invited me over for lunch. So, by the way, thank you, Dave. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, just invited myself like Jesus did it, you know. Anyway, just kidding. <laughs> Chapter and verse, you know. But uh, just kidding. <laughs> but all of a sudden, I come over to Dave's house, and I just track in the mud and the filth. I've been planting grass all week, and I just come in, come in and drag in the mud. And I'm sweating. I'm here, brought my fork and knife, ready to eat. I'm not really honoring this guy. I don't really value him because uh, I'm not willing to protect our relationship because I just walk all over him. I walk where 
things that he values. I, I don't recognize what he values, and I just bring my attitude, I bring my mud, I bring all the junk that I am, and I just said, you should just accept me. Fortunately, that's been the attitude of some people. Now, the world might do that. The world might do that to you. In fact, they will do it to you. But Jesus helps us to honor them as we begin. We don't return evil for evil, but as we begin to honor them as Christ honored us. And that's how we need to be whole. You can only be whole to the degree that Jesus has healed and restored you. To the degree that you have embraced his grace on your life. Now, yeah, there's going to be times when people are going to bring some mud in. Some people are going to be disruptive. They're going to hurt. They're going to say some things that are going to really hurt people. And this is where we need the grace of God. Amen? Amen. This is where we need to say, okay, I love you and I do forgive you. But I want you to realize, too, that this house is a safe place. Pastor Ray has a responsibility. That if people are hurting people, I have a responsibility to say, you know what? Your words and your actions are not acceptable here if you are harming and hurting people. But you are welcome and we want you to be welcome. But your actions and your words, if you come and harm others, because true honor protects what it values. If you are not willing to stand up and say, you cannot do that, then you do not honor where you're at. You don't honor your family. You don't honor your church family. Because true honor means that I value you, but I also protect what God has given you. There's nothing wrong with that. Amen? Parents, we need to be strong to face our kids and say, you know what, I want a relationship with you, but our home is a place, and it's called the sanctuary of his presence. And this activity, this lifestyle, this way of talking will not be accepted because this home is a sanctuary for the presence and the favor of God. And we honor Jesus in our home. That's a healthy thing to say. We cultivate honor by recognizing values and spiritual absolutes in our home. And when we recognize those things, only then can you have unity. Everyone say unity. Amen. How many of you want to have the spirit of Christ and the spirit of honor on your life? Amen. I want you to bow your heads this morning. I believe the Lord is taking us into some transition as a church. I believe the Lord is healing, He's restoring, but He's also bringing a metamorphosis. He's helping us to walk in the same spirit of honor that Jesus had. He's helping us to see and call out the very honor and the glory that Jesus has put into them. We're here to call out those things that are not. Call out things that are buried in and others. remember talking to a, a man one time. He says, I don't know how to help my son. I said, have you ever tried calling out what God has put in him? He says, I don't see it. He said, did you call it out? Call out what the Holy Spirit puts in you. And he began to do that. He began to call out favor. He began to call out friendship. He called out integrity. He called out beauty. Guess what happened? His son began to come into the very thing that his father was calling out. You have the power to cultivate honor and beauty. The purpose of the kingdom of God 
was for heaven to come to earth. And it's our responsibility to bring heaven on earth. Yes, it's our responsibility to call heaven. What is heaven? Heaven is a culture of honor. The Father honors the Son. The Son honors the Father. The Holy Spirit honors the Son. They celebrate their relationship with each other. We honor each other because we put the needs and the concerns of others over ourselves. And we learn to recognize and we learn to see the beauty because Jesus saw the beauty. He saw the, the, the glory even on Zacchaeus who was a tax collector. Others could not see it, but Jesus called it out. And that man was a transformed, saved. The Bible says salvation has come to his house. I believe God wants to make all of our homes a place, an oasis for honor, for glory. And you have it, church. God has placed glory and honor on you. And I'm calling that out in Jesus' name. You are going to be a blessing and your descendants will be a blessing on the earth because of what God is doing in your life. Maybe this morning you may say, you know, Pastor, I need a fresh start in my life. I need to begin to cultivate right seed because I've got a weed patch. There's some things in my life I've allowed to take place and allowed to just grow and I haven't checked these things and I haven't dealt with them. And I've let them just kind of grow up like weeds in my life. And I, I, I need the Lord to come by the power of His great love and grace. And I, I need His assistance to help me become a vessel of honor. And help my home to become a, a, a place and a sanctuary of honor. I, I want to see the glory of God rest on my home. I need that today in my life. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Guys, see your hand? See your hand? See your hand? Amen. See your hand. Hands all over. Amen. I want to see my home to become a place of honor. I want to see my marriage become a place where God's glory and His presence abides. And my children, my wife, begin to grow in the love and favor and, and the wisdom and the beauty of the Lord. I want to see the beauty of positive, life-giving fruit in my home. No longer are we going to just exist and kind of just live meaninglessly without any kind of goals, but we're, we're heading for a goal, and that goal is the likeness of Jesus. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. This morning, no, actually, last night, I was over here in prayer, and the Lord just put this on my heart. He said, Ray, tell New Life that words cannot express how proud I am of this people. The Lord actually told me He is proud of you. And He wanted you to know, also, I'm not kidding, I was in, in prayer here and the Lord just said, they don't realize what a delight they are to me. So many of us We've kind of been hand-pecked. We've allowed the enemy to just tear us down with the things that we don't do well, we don't do right. We've let the opinions of others tear us down. 
God is here to restore and heal you with the spirit of honor. He's come to honor His Son in you by calling out those things He's already put in you. He wants you to call them out yourself. For instance, you're to call out the fact that you're redeemed, you're blessed, you're chosen, you're washed, you're whole, you're created in His image. You're to call out the fact that I am a new creature in Christ. I am a friend. I am a mighty man of God, a mighty woman of God. You're to, when you do that, you honor Him. What you're not that's not egotistical. You honor him when you call out what he's already paid for. And this morning he wants you to walk in the power of that redemption. Not here just to wash your sins. He's here to create a new species of people that are in his image that just bring glory to the earth. You are to rise and shine. Maybe this morning I'd like you to come forward. If any of you would like to have prayer this morning, you want to seal this, I want you to come down and pray. I want to pray with you. Before we go, let's, let's just come right now. If you'd like to be prayed for, if you don't want to, no problem. If you'd like prayer, I want you to come. I want to anoint you. I want to pray that the Holy Spirit will just enrapture His love around you. And He's here to tell you there is no issue, no problem, no no problem in hell, no devil in hell, no lie from the enemy that can keep you back from God's best. He's here to bring a spirit of honor. I want everyone to lift their hands. I want you to pray. Shall we pray for these folks that have come down here? Father, we thank you through the power of the Holy Spirit that you come to redeem. You come to seek and to save that which is lost and those that are broken. Father, we thank You, Lord, that You're a healing God. You're a God who always brings life. You come to honor people. You come, Lord, to bring even that which the enemy meant for evil, to, to turn it around for good. Lord, You come to declare and give us a new mind, a renewed mind, a renewed vision for ourselves. Lord Jesus, mighty women, mighty men of God, anointed for honor, for glory. Oh God, you called there to be Davids and Esthers. Oh Lord, to be Deborahs, mighty women, mighty men of God, Jeremiah's and Daniel's in their generation. Father, we thank you today. It's a day of a fresh start in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. While we're praying down in your front... I would like every married couple to look at each other. Could you do that? If you're a married couple, would you look at each other? I, I just felt the Lord just say this, if He can. And if your married couple's not here, just talk to yourself. I want you to say this to your married spouse. I honor you. Now the other spouse, say it back to him. I honor you. And now I want you to say this. I release you to be all that God has called you to be. And I call out the honor and the glory and the beauty of the Lord in your life. You are beautiful. You are a gift. 
and you're a blessing to my life. I thank God for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate the Lord, shall we? I want you to give each other a big hug. God bless. Don't forget life groups tonight. If you'd like any more prayer, feel free to come.